The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to the Money Answer Show with host Jordan Goodman. Whether you are starting out, deep into your retirement, or somewhere in between, the Money Answer Show has the know-how to help you. Now here's your host, Jordan Goodman. Welcome to the Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is J.D. Roth, uh, who is the editor of Get Rich Slowly, a uh, personal finance website and blog. Welcome to the show, J.D. Thanks, Jordan. It's good to be here. Let's just start a little bit with your story and how you got to... uh, become the, the world-famous blogger that you are today. Uh, but let's kind of start at the beginning. Uh, I guess back in, uh, you'd gotten out of college in about 1991 or so. Why don't you kind of briefly tell the story of, of the situation you got in and, and pretty much how you got out of it. Sure. Uh, well, I was raised in a family. Uh, we, we were relatively poor. We didn't have a lot of money. And uh, my parents didn't have the best personal finance skills. I went away to college. Uh, I didn't have the personal finance skills of my own. And... Uh, I was one of those people, those proverbial people who signed up for credit card deals on campus. I thought, oh, this is a great deal. I could uh, be able to buy some of the stuff I want and just pay for it later. And uh, so while I was in college, I developed a credit card habit. And uh, I graduated from college in 1991 and just kept building that credit card habit. The the credit card companies were happy to keep upping my limits and giving me more credit cards. And I was happy to use them. And uh, by the middle of the 1990s, I was over $20,000 in credit card debt, so uh, I was feeling kind of overwhelmed, I guess. And what was your income like at that point to cover that? Um, my income in the mid-90s was probably around $30,000 a year. So I know that my uh, the credit card, I, I didn't ever have late payments, really. I mean, sometimes I would forget to mail something in, but I was very diligent about making sure I paid my credit cards on time. Uh, so my monthly payments don't have the numbers in front of me, but there was something like $700, $800, $900 a month I was putting out towards credit card payments. Uh, and so I was beginning to get overwhelmed by the credit cards. And so finally in 1998, I decided I've got to put a stop to this. I've got to put a stop to this. And so I took out a home equity loan and used the money, the proceeds from the home equity loan, to pay off the credit card debt. And I cut up my credit card. And uh, for about a decade after that, I would not carry a personal credit card because I just couldn't trust myself with it. But all the same, I found other ways to continue to uh, accumulate debt. I took out personal loans to uh, buy computers. I took out loans from friends and family and, and even from the uh, business I worked for. It was a family business. And uh, so I just continued to accumulate debt until uh, 2004. I just became overwhelmed by debt. I had over $35,000 in personal debt, which is uh, it, it's not a lot to some people. I mean, some people are eighty, ninety thousand dollars $90,000 in debt, but to me, it just felt very overwhelming. Uh, and then we ended up purchasing this house. We, we bought a new house in 2004. And the $35,000 in debt that I had combined with a new mortgage and looking around, and uh, this is a 100-year-old house, and I looked at all the remodeling projects we had to do, and I said, you know, I've got to turn things around. And so I, I talked with a friend, and uh, the friend recommended a couple of uh, personal finance books. And I read them, and I started reading personal finance books and taking their lessons to heart. And uh, 
from there, I was able to turn things around. How common is what you've gotten into, you think, in the country these days? You know, that's a good question. Um, now that I have the site, uh, the personal finance website that I write, I mostly hear from people who have things together. Uh, most of my audience is very concerned about money, so I don't hear a lot of these stories, but I do hear some of them. And just the other night, I had a gathering of friends, some old high school friends were here, and uh, I consider them more of a representational cross-section, I guess, of the country. And there were several of them that were just telling me their stories about their economic problems that they've, they've managed to get into, uh, e- either through uh, the, the economy at large having an impact on them or their own poor decisions. So how prevalent is it? I, I don't know. I, I, think it's a, I think there's a sizable portion of the United States uh, that struggles with debt. So why don't you tell us about how you started turning things around. You were in 2004. You just bought this old house that has lots of right. renovation projects. Your income is still not that high. How did you start turning things around under those circumstances? Well, there were a couple of things that happened. The most important thing for me was I became best friends with the public library. Uh, as I said, I had this friend who recommended the personal finance book. And the books he recommended in particular were uh, a book called Your Money or Your Life by Joe Dominguez and Vicki Robin. And I read that book, and it was it made me realize, you know, I don't have to spend money on all this stuff I'm spending money on. I'm choosing to do this. And then I also read uh, Dave Ramsey's Total Money Makeover, which I know has been very influential for a lot of people. Uh, they read the Total Money Makeover, and they realize, oh, you know, I can get out of debt. And that was the same thing for me. Uh, so I read those two books and, and several other books, well, more like a dozen other books, and uh, I began trying to apply the principles. I kind of saw some common themes in the books, and they all seemed to be saying, that, you know, it's not really possible to get rich quickly, uh, but, or at least there's no proven method to do it, but you can get rich slowly. You can build wealth slowly if you're just patient and you're willing to work hard, and so I didn't change all at once. I don't want to make it sound like I was able to just turn on a dime and, and all of a sudden uh, establish good financial habits because that, that didn't happen. But gradually I began to make smarter decisions and uh, I was able to build my income. I was able to reduce my spending and gradually pay off my debt. What was the uh, psychological difference to, to getting out of debt as opposed to getting into debt? Oh, that's a great question. You know, when I was getting into debt, I just, I'd look around, and if I saw something that I wanted, I would buy it. I, I felt like I deserved these things. Uh, anything I wanted or saw, I deserved to have, and so I'd buy it. And when it became important to me, or when I made it a priority to get out of debt, I realized, you know, I have a lot. I'm fortunate. I already have a lot. Now, part of that's because I went in debt to buy a bunch of stuff already. But also, I learned that I can be satisfied with less. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with, uh, there's this simplicity movement. Yes. Uh, people who, who, who want to, they talk about doing uh, or living with a very little stuff. And, and I'm not there, but uh, I began reading some of these simplicity books. But uh, it made me understand that I don't need to buy, I don't need to participate in the consumer culture, I guess, in order to feel fulfilled. And that helped me turn things around. So what are you giving up? What, what are you not having now that you used to have in the past? Well, I used to be a terrible book junkie. I would go into a bookstore, 
And I couldn't go into a bookstore without coming out with two or three books. And it wasn't uncommon that I would come out with eight or ten books. And all of these were books that I'd buy on credit. And there were books that would come home and they would sit on my bookshelf and largely remain unread. And uh, so I guess I'm giving up having things. Uh, I, I, I no longer feel the need to have things. I know that if I want to read a book, I can go to the public library. Or if I really want it, I can buy it if I'm going to read it right then. Uh, and so I guess I'm the instant gratification, the need to fulfill myself right now is something that uh, I've given up. And at first it hurt, you know. It, it wasn't something that I could do overnight. Uh, my readers know that I'm a, I collect comic books. And for a long time, I was spending about $200 a month on comic books. And uh, this was something that I just gradually cut down until I was spending less than $50 a month. But still, you didn't pay off 35000 in debt without no. not buying comic books and regular books. Correct. You, you had to make some other major changes, I would assume. Uh, yeah, okay. So, so some of the things I did, one of the key things I did was to reduce my recurring monthly expenses. Uh, I, used to be, I used to have the deluxe cable television package. I had the deluxe uh, internet package. I subscribed to all sorts of magazines. I had all these monthly expenses. I just kept paying them and paying them and paying them. And uh, it was a real big drain on my budget. I, I didn't realize it at the time, but I gradually start, started cutting these things. And, you know, I, I cut my cable package from about $75 a month to $15 a month. And that $60 a month, that doesn't seem like a lot, but it, it adds up to $750 a year about. You put that over the course of four years, that's $3,000 I've got in my pocket that I wouldn't have had otherwise. So making changes like those, uh, recurring, uh, reducing recurring monthly expenses, and finding other ways to just be careful about the things I buy, being more mindful about the things I buy, uh, realizing that I don't need to have the, uh, the best cut of meat when I go to the supermarket, or I don't have to buy name pro brand products. I can buy uh, generics or... Uh, my wife and I started growing a lot of our own food in our own vegetable garden. Uh, all these things seem kind of quaint in a way, I guess, but they really do make an impact on uh, how much you're spending. And then when did you decide to launch the Get Rich Slowly uh, website? Uh, I decided to launch Get Rich Slowly in the spring of 2006. So uh, it was in the fall of 2004 that I began to have this start of this uh I don't know, financial rebirth. And uh, in the spring of 2006, by then I'd come to this point where I wanted to share what I was learning with other people. And I'd been blogging for a, a while. So Get Rich Slowly is a blog, which means that I post regular updates to it, almost daily updates. And uh, I'd been writing for my friends and family about, uh, you know, cats and, and uh, what my wife and I are doing for vacation and so on. So I decided to start this personal finance blog. And the, the theme that I thought that I was seeing from all these books was that it was possible to get rich slowly. So that, that's what I called the site. And I decided I would share the different things I was learning about uh, getting out of debt, because I was still deep in debt, about uh, building wealth. Uh, and I was a very novice investor. And so I, was, uh, I decided to share what I was learning about investing and uh, to get feedback from the readers and to, to share the things I was finding around the web and also the books I was reading. And so what kind of response did you get when you launched the blog? Well, it was tremendous, actually. Uh, well, like any blog, I started with a very small audience. Uh, but for some reason, what I was writing or how I was writing it really resonated with people. 
and I, I was fortunate to build a community of readers that was very helpful. I mean, they would uh, give me advice, they would give each other advice, and it's as if we're all learning together. We're, we're pitching in and we're uh, trying to figure this stuff out, trying to help each other get out of debt, trying to help each other uh, learn how to invest, and, uh, you know, just find better deals. Okay, and so uh, it started in 2006. Uh, where does it stand today as to how many subscribers you have? And give us a sense of the community today. Okay, well, you know, okay, I started in 2006, uh, started from zero, and gradually, uh, I think I was adding a, a few hundred readers a month. And so now, uh, what are we at? We're at September 2009. Uh, there's a, roughly 70,000 subscribers. About 15,000 of the subscribers re receive a daily email uh, with the information that I've posted over the previous 24 hours. And there are about 25,000 people who visit the site every day. And it's a huge cross-section of the, the population, I feel like. Uh, there are people who read the site who are still very deep in debt and they're struggling to get out of debt. But there are also people who are very well off, who are uh, looking for ways to... Uh, improve their fortunes or to build their wealth even more. It's a, I've really enjoyed getting to meet via the Internet all these different people and learn from them. And is this a full-time profession for you, and how do you make a living at it? Yeah, absolutely. This is, if you had told me four or five years ago that it would be possible to make a living writing a blog on the Internet, I would, I would have thought that was ridiculous. I, in some ways, I still do. Um, but I started to... I'm putting advertisements for things that uh, I thought were acceptable, like banks and so on. Uh, I had advertisements for banks back in, I guess it was right near the beginning. So the fall of 2006, I began allowing advertising on the site. And uh, at first, it was just a, a few pennies a day, a few dollars a day. And with time, that, that grew until uh, by late 2007, I realized, oh, fairly soon, this is going to be enough income to help me replace the income from my day job, and I wasn't particularly happy with my day job. And so I decided that, uh, you know, I'm going to take a leap here. I, it was a very scary thing to do, but I'm going to make a leap and see if I can't do this full-time and make this my uh, full-time job. It was, uh, it, it didn't happen all at once. I, I, I tried to uh, set it up so that I, I knew I would have the income to replace my uh, day job income before I did it. All right. We're actually going to take a break. Uh, this is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is J.D. Roth, uh, who's the editor of Get Rich Slowly. As you can see, a very popular blog about uh, personal finance. And after the break, we're going to get back into some of the specific tips he has to help you make the most of your money. We'll be back after this. Up-to-date business and financial news. Call now and get the financial information you need. 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. The experts are here. Voice America Business Network.
Jordan Goodman has created the Money Answers Network to put at his listeners' fingertips the very best personal finance products and services that he has found in his 30 years of research. If you have a money question, Jordan Goodman has a money answer. To find out more, go to www.moneyanswers.com. The Money Answers Network features top products and services in virtually every area of personal finance, car buying, and leasing, college financing, credit debt, financial planning, investing, insurance, legal services, mortgages, retirement planning, wills, and more. Only businesses that have demonstrated excellence in both their products and services are invited to become members of the Money Answers Network. The public can sign up for membership in the Money Answers Network at no charge in order to be apprised of the latest useful resources. To learn more, visit www.moneyanswers.com. Get ahead with Money Answers. Are you ready to go green? You've asked and we've heard you. Voice America presents the Green Talk Network. Environmental topics are at the forefront of our society, and the Green Talk Network is here to keep you up to date on the latest trends and new innovations for the eco-conscious lifestyle. We'll help promote a variety of ideas on the environment, from global warming issues to how you can become more eco-friendly in your daily activities. Be a part of the solution, not the problem. Visit the Green Talk Network page on voiceamerica.com and tune in to help spread the green. Mark of the Fraud by Royd Head. Hear more at don'tbeanasterisk.com. Brought to you by Ad Council and the U.S. Olympic Committee. From the boardroom to you. Voice America Business Network. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to the Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is J.D. Roth, uh, who is the editor of a very uh, prominent and popular personal finance blog and website, GetRichSlowly.org. Welcome back to the show, J.D. Thank you. Let's just start with uh, getting out of debt, which is kind of where you started this whole thing. Why don't you give us some tips for people who have a lot of credit card debt right now and and home equity debt and other kinds of debt, student loans and so on. What are some of the simple steps they can take uh, to start getting this paid off faster than they might think possible? Well, I think the most important thing, and this is going to sound uh, really, I don't know, almost too simple to be true or uh, as if it's not real advice at all, but the most important thing anybody can do when dealing with debt is to stop using the credit card. If you have credit card debt, stop using the credit card. Make a commitment to yourself not to use it. Uh, and, you know, different people have different approaches to this. Some people uh, put them in their freezer, freeze them uh, in blocks of ice. I actually physically cut them up and uh, refuse to use them. Uh, But if you don't stop using the credit, there's no way to get things turned around. Uh, Once you've made that commitment, there are a number of different approaches that you can take. Uh, 
the mathematically most sound approach is to take your highest uh, interest credit card or your highest interest debt and to pay that off first and uh, then to pay off the next highest interest uh, rate. But I think that the uh, if you've got into debt, if you're like me, you didn't get into debt because you were making smart financial decisions. You were making decisions based on uh, emotion. And so getting into debt, you did so in kind of an irrational fashion. And so the best way to get out of debt isn't necessarily the most mathematically uh, sound way to do it. Instead, I recommend what Dave Ramsey calls the, the uh, debt snowball. And that's where you take, it's an, it's an option that tries to give you quick payoffs, quick psychological payoffs so that you're uh, uh, achieving some quick wins and feel very motivated to continue. And to do that, you, you take your debts and you list them in order by what their balances are. So say you've got a credit card uh, that only has $1,000 on it, that that's your lowest balance. Uh, you would try to pay that credit card debt off first. And uh, once you're done with that, you go on to the next one. And each month as you pay off a debt, or each time you pay off a debt, you take the money that you're applying to the previous debt and uh, you apply that to all the other debts. So say your first debt is a $50 a month payment. That's what you're able to apply to it. Once you've got that debt paid off, you take that additional $50 and put that towards your second debt as well so that you've just got this pool of money that's allocated for debt each month, and uh, you're using that to pay off debt. You're not taking that $50 and all of a sudden using it to spend on other things. Now, I mean, a lot of people would say that they got into debt not because they particularly wanted to, but their income has gone down because the economy is weak and they're employed right. less or fewer hours. In general, their income is down, and their expenses are up for gasoline and health care and taxes and student tuition and just all kinds of things. It's not as though they wanted to go into debt. Just sure. You know, if you're in that situation, your income just is not able to keep up with the debt, and particularly today, where the credit card interest rates are, you know, 19% or 29%, late fees, over limit charges. You know, the banks are really hitting people pretty hard. Um, you know, how can you get your debt snowball rolling in that kind of circumstance? Well, in that kind of situation, you might have to take drastic measures. I know that there are a lot of people out there who who have been blindsided by the economy. Uh, they've uh, been laid off. Uh, my brother, uh, to use an example, got caught up in the mortgage mess. He uh, bought a new house before he sold his old one, and then all of a sudden the economy tanked, and he ended up losing both houses to foreclosure. And so he's in a real bind. And the advice I give him is, you know, you've got to uh, take drastic measures sometimes. And uh, I know that some people have cut back as far as they can, but a lot of people have a lot of the stuff uh, sitting around their house that if they were willing to bite the bullet, they could sell. Uh, I was just talking to some friends the other night, and they're talking about all these uh, different things they've purchased and how they're deep in debt. And I suggested, you know, well, maybe you can take some of this stuff and uh, sell it on eBay, sell it on Craigslist, uh, have hold a garage sale. This is a way to get some quick cash to try to jumpstart your uh, debt snowball or to jumpstart your... Uh, uh, means to pay off debt. Now, another thing, uh, another piece of advice that I like to offer is to try, and it's kind of hard in this economy, but to try your best to find uh, some other way to bring in income on a regular basis. Uh, so what would you suggest? Possible. What kind of ways would you suggest for that? Uh, well, again, it's really difficult in this economy, but if, if there's any way to find extra work uh, doing anything, 
uh, even bringing in another $100 a week or, or $200 a week can be an excellent way to start getting that debt paid off. Uh, to me, one of the secrets, I think, and I didn't understand this when I was in debt, is cash flow. It, to me, it's all about cash flow. If you have a negative cash flow, if you're paying out more each month than you're bringing in, you're always going to feel behind, feel behind the eight ball as if, as if you're drowning. But if you can manage to get that turned around so that you're, you have a positive cash flow, you're bringing in more money every month than you're paying out, uh, you feel like you have breathing room and you're able to uh, accomplish a lot more than you thought you, uh, you could. But to do that, you've got to do things like cut your expenses and raise your income. One of the other things you say is that you are track, tracking every penny that you spend. Is, is that really necessary to be that precise about it? Uh, it depends on the person. One of my philosophies, or one of the things that I always say, is that you've got to do what works for you. For me, yeah, it was absolutely necessary to track every penny I spent. Because I have a tendency to uh, tell myself stories. I'll tell myself, oh, I wasn't spending that much on uh, food this week. I, I, didn't, I don't know where that $20 went, but I know it couldn't have been anywhere bad. Uh, and then if I start tracking the money which I did when I was trying to pay off my debt, I'd see that, you know, that $20 I took out of the bank, I used it to buy junk food. And I didn't need to be buying junk food. I could have been eating more healthily and saving money at the same time. So tracking every penny you spend is a great way for a person to begin to see exactly what their spending habits are. If you don't track your spending, it's very difficult to know precisely where your money goes and why you're spending what you're spending. And then uh, you say that psychologically it's important not to get discouraged. Tell a little bit about the psychological element involved in turning things around. Oh, for me, and I know this is true for many people, but when you start to try to make a change, whether it's financial or otherwise, you can get so bogged down in what you're doing that if you fail, uh, if you, for example, go out and... uh, buy a new TV or something, you get really depressed and all of a sudden you find yourself in this uh, deep hole, this emotional pit, and uh, you think, oh, I failed at this, I, I, I can't do it. And I think it's important not to beat yourself up. We're all human, we're all going to make mistakes. And uh, I view getting out of debt very much like uh, dieting. Uh, you know, you hear about people who are uh, dieting and trying to lose weight. And uh, they'll fall off the wagon. They'll, they'll spend a night, they'll go out and they'll uh, uh, have a bunch of pizza and then go out for dessert. And uh, all of a sudden, they're, they're off their diet and they're gaining weight again. Uh, but I think it's important to look at these things as just temporary setbacks, as uh, things that aren't going to derail you. If you make a mistake, acknowledge the mistake, but move on and do your best to continue to pay off your debt or, or to uh, make the right choices. What do you hear from people on your website in that circumstance where they're getting discouraged? Are they getting uh, support from other people on the website to kind of keep with it? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, there will be people in the comments. Uh, if I write a post, for example, about uh, saving for retirement, somebody writes, oh, you know, I just withdrew a bunch of money from my retirement account and I feel bad and I don't know what to do. I feel so behind now. Uh, the people on the, the other members of the community on the website will uh, do their best to offer support and uh, offer tips for how people can turn it around. So there is a lot of support out there. One of the other things you say is that uh, 
you use cash rewards cards for regular expenses. What do you have a favorite uh, kind of cash rewards card that you use? Well, I have one that I use. I don't necessarily endorse it. It's a uh, I'm using the Capital One. I don't even know what they call it. The No Hassles Reward, and uh, I chose that one because. Uh, as I mentioned, in 1998, I cut up all my personal credit cards because I just felt like I could not handle having a credit card because uh, I didn't have the responsibility. And uh, we were going to visit London and uh, Dublin in 2007, and I decided, you know, I think I'm ready to try a credit card. And so I made a vow with myself that if I maintained a certain set of rules, I could keep the credit card. And uh, so I chose one that gave me cash rewards, not uh, airline miles. And uh, it was the, the, the no-hassle rewards card from Citibank, uh, or no, uh, Capital One. It had some protection for overseas. It, it offered additional money back, or, or it waived fees. So I thought, okay, this is the one I want, so I'll be going overseas. And uh, I've been very pleased with it. It's uh, I've actually developed this habit. Because I'm now responsible with credit, I can use my credit card every month, to pay to buy just about everything, and it gives me one percent cash back, and it's almost like I'm getting a discount for being smart with my money. Very good. All right, we're going to take a break. This is Jordan Goodman of the Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is JD Roth, uh, whose website is called Get Rich Slowly. It's also a blog. Uh, you can go to getrichslowly.org to find out more about it. And we'll be back after this. markets up or down or if you're looking to improve your portfolio our experts are ready to talk to you call now toll free 866-472-5790 that's 866-472-5790 voice america business network are you ready to grow your business Listen for the Independent Business Owners Show with your coach, Rick Carrado. This entertaining talk radio program will bring you the tools to help increase your business. You'll learn sales success, time management, lead generation, business development, life balance, and much more. Rick Carrado is here to help you take your business to the next level. Listen for the Independent Business Owners Show, heard live every Monday morning at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Network. Jordan Goodman has created the Money Answers Network to put at his listeners' fingertips the very best personal finance products and services that he has found in his 30 years of research. If you have a money question, Jordan Goodman has a money answer. To find out more, go to www.moneyanswers.com. The Money Answers Network features top products and services in virtually every area of personal finance, car buying and leasing, college financing, credit debt, financial planning, investing, insurance, legal services, mortgages, retirement planning, wills, and more. Only businesses that have demonstrated excellent and both their products and services are invited to become members of the Money Answers Network. The public can sign up for membership in the Money Answers Network at no charge in order to be apprised of the latest useful resources. To learn more, visit www.moneyanswers.com. Get ahead with Money Answers. Mike check, one, two. Big pose are coming to you fake yeah. ever. Got no more games since nah. I got with the juice. Uh-uh. No cruising with my friends, they cut me loose. Now my coach is hating, parents keep berating. Good thing my team's still behind me saying. Hey, yo, what happened to my teammates, man? Yo, where y'all at, man? Come on, man. I thought we were family. Uh, don't be a poser. 
Hear more at don'tbeanasterisk.com. Brought to you by Ad Council and the U.S. Olympic Committee. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is J.D. Roth, uh, who is the editor of Get Rich Slowly, uh, a blog and personal finance website at getrichslowly.org. Welcome back to the show, J.D. Howdy. You uh, talk about the balanced money formula. Why don't you talk about how that works a little bit? Sure. So uh, when I was spending and getting into debt, my spending was out of balance. Uh, I was spending more than I earned. Uh, I wasn't saving any money. I was spending more on wants than I was on needs or on savings. Uh, after I got out of debt, or in the process of getting out of debt, I became, I became almost a tightwad. I, I wouldn't spend money on anything. And uh, I have a, an article on my site that uh, is very notorious among my readers where I talk about how, you know, I bought this fancy hot chocolate, and yet I, I felt bad about it, and I decided I was going to pinch some pennies. And so I was going to, instead of the three tablespoons of hot chocolate mix that I was supposed to put in per uh, mug, I was only going to use two tablespoons, and I was going to save myself like 23 cents per mug of hot chocolate. And my readers read that, and they said, J.D., you have gone off the deep end. This is you're pinching 23 cents per mug of hot chocolate. That, that's not being frugal. That's not being uh, smart with your money. You're out of balance here. You, you're, <laughs> you're being a tightwad. And uh, after, after their response, I realized, you know, they're right. And uh, it made me think of this uh, book called All Your Worth, and it's by Elizabeth Warren and her uh, daughter, Amelia Tiagi. And uh, in the book, they talk about how it's important, even when you're paying off debt, to have balance to your financial life. If you're, uh, if, you're so, if you're being such a tightwad that you're not spending anything on the things that you like to do, it's just going to make you unhappy. And money's there, money's there to make our life easier, you know. It's there to make us happy, right, and to help fund the things that we want to do. And so it's not a bad thing to spend an extra 23 cents on a mug of hot chocolate. So the balanced money formula that uh, Elizabeth Warren describes is basically you should be spending around 50% on your needs, on like your, your uh, housing, uh, the clothes that you need, the food that you need. Uh, you should spend about 30%, she says, on wants, on the things that you like to do. And that means going out to dinner. It means uh, your hobbies, uh, going to see movies, whatever. And then you should be saving at least 20% of your income uh, for retirement savings and uh, uh, getting out of debt and so on. And once I learned to embrace that formula, I was so much happier. It was as if I was giving myself permission to say, you know, it's all right to spend money on some stuff if I have the money. And uh, that helped me overcome being a tightwad, I think. So you think a lot of people do that. They come from one extreme where they were buying everything they wanted and getting into credit card debt and going to the other extreme of being a complete tightwad. Is that the typical pattern? Uh, I think it is a typical pattern, to be honest, Jordan. I, I see that uh, a lot of my readers have done this. I look at a lot of the other personal finance bloggers. I mean, there's a personal finance blogging community, and I look out there, and I feel like many of us have done this. It's because we realize, oh, we've gotten into trouble just by spending too much. And so we try to cut back because this is what's helping us get out of debt. 
then once we're out of debt, we're afraid to release the grip. We're afraid to let go. And so we're just, uh, we become tightwads. We become misers. Yeah. All right, let's talk a little bit about investing. Uh, people are following your system. They're getting out of debt. They're starting to build up some money. Uh, putting it in savings or CDs or money market funds, you get almost no yield at all today. What, what right. do you recommend that people uh, put their money, not with specific, but in general, um, where they can make their money grow at a decent pace? With it? It's not going to cost them too much in fees. Well, first of all, one thing that's uh, important to know is uh, what your risk tolerance is. I'm a big – I don't think there's any right answer for uh, every person. Uh, my wife has very little risk tolerance. The stock market makes her very nervous. And so for her, it makes sense to invest in bonds. Uh, because she feels more secure about them. She, she, there's, you know, there's less fluctuation. Uh, for me, though, I'm willing to accept some risk because I know that it's going to bring uh, more return, more reward in the future. And so for me and, and for other people who are uh, willing to take on the risk, I actually recommend index mutual funds. Uh, and index funds, of course, are the funds where uh, they're designed to track the movement of a particular stock market index or, or sub-index. And uh, for me... By investing regularly through dollar cost averaging or some other method, investing regularly into an index fund that represents the entire stock market, it allows me to buy into the market and uh, uh, participate in the growth as a whole instead of taking these risks on individual stocks. So that's that's what makes me comfortable. That's stock index and the same with bond indexes as well? Uh, I'm not very familiar with bond in- indexes right now. Uh, I'm trying to learn that. As I mentioned earlier, a lot of Get Rich Slowly is about me and my learning process. And so one of the things that I've been trying to do a lot lately is learn about municipal bonds. And I know that municipal bonds aren't for everybody. They may not be for me. Uh, but I've been actually going down. There's a Fidelity office nearby. And so I go down and I talk with the Fidelity people. I feel like I'm probably a pest going in there and asking them questions. But uh, I really want to understand the things that I'm investing in. I, I feel like too many people uh, just invest blindly. In fact, I'm going to go off on a little tangent here. I hope you don't mind. Uh, ten years ago, I was a member of an investment club. This is just back at the beginning of the tech boom. Mm-hmm. And there were a bunch of guys, We get, uh, six or seven of us got together, and we thought we were going to get rich. <laughs> we were going to contribute $50 a month each, and uh, I, something like $300 or, or $400 was our monthly contribution total. And every month we would get together, make, make our contribution, and pick a stock. And because it was the beginning of the tech boom, things were going crazy. We'd buy something one month, pick the one stock, and it would just chewed up. We would have doubled our money by the next month. And it was outstanding. We thought we were going to get rich. And, uh, of course, that bubble didn't last. And uh, we watched everything come crashing down, and uh, we, we didn't know what to do. We didn't understand the stocks we were buying. We were essentially gambling. We were speculating. Uh, we were just saying, oh, this one looks good. Let's buy it and we watched it go up, but we had no understanding of the fundamental uh, nature of stocks. So what kind of uh, research should people do? You're saying people should do index funds, uh, but now you're saying that they should be buying individual stocks if they research them? Well, that's a fine question. Uh, for me, I'm not willing to spend the time to research stocks because I feel like it's, it's more time and energy than I want to put into it. So I'm going to buy index funds. Because for me, I'm buying the entire market. Uh, I know that I'm going to get roughly the return of the entire market, which historically has been about 
uh, 10% per year uh, since the 1920s. Not in the past 10 years, obviously, but historically. And uh, But I know that there are many people out there, and many of my readers, who want to buy specific stocks. They want to buy individual stocks because they think that they can uh, pick stocks that are going to beat the market. They think they can pick them at the times uh, when they're at uh, good values. Uh, and so for the people who do want to do that, I think it's important to do a lot of research. And what that research entails, I don't know. I think it depends on the person and it depends on the stock. Okay. All right. Another area that you like to talk about is uh, pursuing your dreams. Uh, so talk a little bit about somebody who's kind of stuck at where they're at and they want to do something completely different and pursue their dreams. Since that's something that you did, what kind of advice can you give to somebody who wants to make that transition? Well, I think the first thing to do is uh, just to take small steps. I think too many people just go through life uh, without any goals, without any any idea of where they want to be. They're just kind of living life reactively. And I found that uh, I used to do that, too. And to be honest, I wasn't enjoying life very much, and that may have been part of why I got into a debt problem. But once I realized some of the things I liked to do and some of the things I wanted to do, I began to set goals. And uh, one of those things was, for example, uh, being able to stay home and write full-time. I didn't enjoy my job. And so... Uh, I knew I wanted to write. I had this website, Get Rich Slowly, that was, was starting to do well. So I became, I made it one of my goals. Let me see if it's possible to make this uh, something that I can do full-time, that will support me full-time. And I began to pursue that. And as I mentioned, I just did it gradually. Uh, and I worked on it in my spare time. And I just really enjoyed it. And I was able to make it come true. But I think that uh, uh, too many people fail to set goals. I think that setting financial goals or setting personal goals can help, help you decide how you're going to spend your money. And uh, when you spend money in a way that ma- lines up with your values, it makes everything more fulfilling, I think. So uh, you're saying you get one boat alongside you before you jump from the boat you're in. You don't just <laughs> right, right, <laughs> jump right, right in, right? right. right. Yeah, do you or- find that some people do that? They just jump and just hope it's going to work out somehow? They don't really kind of prepare the next one before they jump. <laughs> right, right. I, I look at uh, I look at my neighbor. I've got a neighbor here across the street, and uh, you know he was a high school sh- shop teacher. Uh, he, he never had a tremendous income, but he uh, he saved his money. He's very frugal, and uh, he invested wisely. And uh, now that he's retired, he's able to do the things that he wants to do. He just got back on Saturday. He got back from Alaska. He spends every summer up on a boat in Alaska, just cruising around fishing. He brings me back salmon and halibut every summer, or every September anyway. And then uh, he's here for a couple of months, and then he heads off to New Zealand where he does volunteer work. And uh, he's he's basically living his dreams. He's one of the happiest people I know, and he's almost literally uh, one of the millionaires next door. I'm sure you're probably familiar with Thomas Stanley's book, The Millionaire Next Mm -hmm. Door. And uh, my neighbor is almost exactly like that. He's uh, frugal, 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 which is one of the things that Thomas Stanley says defines the millionaires next door, the real millionaires. And uh, he drives old, beat-up cars, and uh, you would never know from looking at him that he's uh, uh, managed to build wealth and to pursue his dreams and to pursue his goals. But uh, he has because he's not flashy. He's not flashy in any way. He just he does what he wants, how he wants to do it. 
Great. Uh, interesting stuff. All right, we're going to take a break. Uh, this is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. My uh, guest this hour is J.D. Roth, uh, who is the editor of the Get Rich Slowly website and blog at getrichslowly.org. And we'll be back after this. the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Jordan Goodman has created the Money Answers Network to put at his listeners' fingertips the very best personal finance products and services that he has found in his 30 years of research. If you have a money question, Jordan Goodman has a money answer. To find out more, go to www.moneyanswers.com. The Money Answers Network features top products and services in virtually every area of personal finance, car buying and leasing, college financing, credit debt, financial planning, investing, insurance, legal services, mortgages, retirement planning, wills, and more. Only businesses that have demonstrated excellence in both their products and services are invited to become members of the Money Answers Network. The public can sign up for membership in the Money Answers Network at no charge in order to be apprised of the latest useful resources. To learn more, visit www.moneyanswers.com. Get ahead with Money Answers. Think of the world 50 years ago. Now think of this same world and how it'll be 50 years from now. Did you know that if the world's population continues to grow at its current rate, our children and grandchildren will only have 25% of the resources per capita that our parents and grandparents had? We must preserve the foundation of a quality standard of living. That foundation starts with Go Green Radio. Join your host, Jill Buck, for Go Green Radio every Friday at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific on Voice America. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money, uh, to the, uh, money Answer Show. My name is Jordan Goodman. My uh, guest this hour is J.D. Roth, who's the editor of Get Rich Slowly. His website and blog is at getrichslowly.org. Welcome back to the show, J.D. Thank you. You've got what you call the 12 key beliefs, uh, which are the core of the Get Rich Slowly philosophy. And I just want to run through some of these briefly, and maybe you can comment on how they, people should apply them. The first one sure. is that mind is more, money is more about mind than it is about math. So why is right. that true? So, uh, as I mentioned earlier, I think that a lot of the financial decisions we make are based on our psychology and our emotions. They're not necessarily based on the uh, uh, financial implications. I was talking with some of my friends the other night, and these are smart, smart people. Uh, and uh, they understand the math, that if they go out and they spend more than they earn, uh, they're going to end up in debt. But that doesn't keep them from spending more than they earn, and they're still in debt. And it's, it's not because they don't understand the math. They do understand the math because uh, they have psychological things that they need to work through. And uh, I think it's very true that the, the things that we buy, uh, our relationships with other people, they all influence what we spend and how we spend. Your next uh, key belief is that goals are important. You find a lot of people don't really set uh, accurate goals? Right. As we just discussed, 
I feel like uh, setting financial goals helps you maintain direction and can help you lead a more fulfilling life. Uh, I always found that uh, without any kind of financial goals, I was just kind of spending aimlessly. I didn't have anything to save toward. Uh, and since I've learned to uh, set financial goals, in fact, I'll mention briefly here that what I've done is uh, there's an online bank called ING Direct, and they allow you to set up multiple accounts that you can track from the same web screen. And what I do is I go in and I set specific goals. Okay, I'm going to save to buy a new car. I'm going to save for a trip to France. I'm going to save uh, for furniture for the living room. And I'm able to set these different goals, or uh, yeah, save for these different goals all at the same time. And ever since I've done this, I've been amazingly effective at uh, saving my money because I know that if I'm going out and I'm going into a bookstore, I'm making the choice between am I going to buy books right now or am I going to go home and put the money that I have into a savings account that's going to let me to go to France next summer. I think I'd rather go to France than buy new books. Okay. Uh, then you say spend less than you earn, which is we've, we've clearly talked about that. But sure. The, the, I guess the key to that you're saying is really tracking where you're spending, right? Yeah, uh, to track what you're spending and to try to bring things into balance. Uh, spending less than you earn, there, there are two ways to do that. Uh, you can either increase your income or you can decrease your spending. And the ideal way to do it is to do both at the same time. And you'd say pay yourself first? Sounding like my grandmother here. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. How, how do you that do that? How do you from, uh, pay yourself uh, first? The richest man in Babylon, probably. But, but what are some techniques that do that, to pay yourself first? Uh, well, I think the best way to do that is to, if you have an employer-sponsored retirement plan, uh, to enroll in that and to uh, take advantage of uh, having the automatic uh, deductions from your paycheck being spent or, or sent directly to your retirement plan, especially if you have an employer match. I think taking advantage of anything automatic uh, makes it so that we don't have to think about it. We don't have to make the decision. If you've got your uh, retirement being withheld automatically from your paycheck, it's almost as if you're not getting that money in the first place, so it's easier to do. Then you say that small amounts matter. Uh, people don't think it's worth saving if it's a small amount, so they don't do it. Is that what you're saying? Well, there are a lot of people who think that uh, it, it doesn't make a difference if you're going to buy uh, store brands, for example. It, food bills are, I think, one place where many people can save money, uh, your grocery bill. Uh, but a lot of people are unwilling to do that because they think the small amounts don't matter. They're, they're not going to add up. But I found that because the small things that you buy are the things that you buy most often, they really do matter. Uh, it's something You may only be saving uh, a few bucks a week by uh, buying store brands or, or uh, uh, by choosing a less expensive type of uh, coffee or whatever, but those few bucks a week, they add up over the course of a year, and then they add up over the uh, course of a lifetime. And then you say so, large amounts matter, too. Right. Yeah. I was just going to go to that. But mm -hmm. the real key, the real key to saving money, I think, is to make smart choices when you're doing the big purchases. When you're buying a home, don't buy more home than you need. And uh, uh, get a good price on it. And get a good interest rate. Uh, when you're buying a car understand what you're buying, why you're buying it. Uh, don't try to get carried away. Don't, don't be carried away by emotions and be rational about it. Many people uh, recommend buying used cars over new every time. I'm actually one of those people who prefers a new car, and I understand the financial consequences of it. But uh, I just bought a used Mini Cooper, for example, in April. I decided I'd take a flyer on it, and it, it's worked out well. 
And uh, one other thing I wanted to mention real quick is uh, another way that large amounts matter is if you can negotiate your salary. I think too many people uh, just accept it's given that this is what my salary has to be when I apply for a job. They're telling me what my salary has to be. I think that if people can negotiate their salary so they're making a few extra thousand dollars a year, that can make a huge impact on their finances. You also say that uh, do what works for you, that everybody has a little bit of different style. So what are some of the kind of variations that might work for some and not others? Well, do what works for you is actually my key financial philosophy. I feel like too many people are dogmatic and say that, you know, you have to pay off debt highest interest rate first because that's what's going to save you the most money. Well, they're right. Paying off, interest rate, or paying off debt highest interest rates first will save you the most money. But if you don't actually pay off the, interest, or the debt because you're feeling discouraged in the giving up every time, it doesn't matter. So if the debt snowballs, the, the paying off the lowest balances first works for you, do that. And the same is true. Uh, some people don't want to sacrifice on good quality coffee. Uh, well, if, if good quality coffee is that important to your well-being, well, then don't sacrifice on it. Find some other place in your life that you're willing to sacrifice. Cut back on the things that are not important to you. And... Uh, be willing to spend a little bit extra on the things that are. And then you say slow and steady wins the race. I mean, this is the opposite of what you see today. You watch CNBC and it's about <laughs> the next 15 minutes and, you know, now, 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 and fast, fast, fast. You seem almost <laughs> like an anachronism here. Right. Well, I really believe that. I mean, that's the whole get race slowly and the turtle logo and everything. I think the slow and steady does win the race. Uh, you may not end up the richest person, but you're going to uh, end up financially secure, financially comfortable if you just... Make the smart decisions. And you've got to be patient. You've got to be willing to, to give it months and years for things to turn around. Then you say that the perfect is the enemy of the good. What do you mean by that? Uh, what I mean by this is that too many people are afraid to start. When I talk to my friends, uh, even when I think about myself, a lot of times I'm afraid to do something because I don't know the, the perfect way to do it. And so I just don't do anything at all. I procrastinate. And by, by wanting to only be perfect, I cheat myself out of doing something that's good. And one example I'm going to use, it's non-financial here, is uh, uh, I'm actually about ready to start writing a book, as you and I have discussed. And I'm very scared to do it because I want it to be perfect. And so I've been procrastinating, procrastinating, procrastinating. And I finally realized that, you know, it doesn't matter. If I start and I do my best, that's all that's important, just to get something done that's good. And related to that, you say that failure is okay. It's the same kind of fear of failure that stops you from doing anything, I guess. Yeah, exactly right. Uh, people make mistakes all the time. And uh, as I mentioned on the website, even billionaires like Warren Buffett make mistakes. Warren Buffett's very upfront about his mistakes. But I think it's important to make mistakes because you learn from them. It, the important thing isn't that you... Uh, uh, I think it's important not to keep from doing things just because you're scared that you might fail. You've got to do things, fail, and say, okay, this is what I did wrong, and I can learn from it and move on from that. You also say it's more important to be happy than to be rich. I mean, this is America, the land built on <laughs> everybody's supposed to be rich. So how can that work? How can you be happy and not be rich? Well, actually, the research, the research I've done, or not that I've done, but that I've seen, that I've read in a number of places, shows that there's very little uh, correlation between uh, wealth and happiness. Uh, it's true that the people who live in the deepest poverty are the most unhappy. There's no question about that. But for everyone else, 
money has very little correlation to how happy they are. Uh, true wealth, true happiness comes from relationships with other people and from pursuing meaning, uh, goals that are meaningful to you. And that's where uh, happiness actually comes from. And your final principle is to do it now. You say procrastination is a big problem with a lot of people. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the sooner you get started, the better off you are. I think most people are probably familiar with the uh, concept of compound interest or compound returns and uh, how wealth builds with time. But the thing that some people don't realize is the real impact comes at the back end of the compound return cycle. Sure, if you're uh, 55 years old and you get started, uh, you're going to be able to see some results from the compound returns, but you'll really see the results if you start at 25 because uh, the earlier you begin with something, the more impact it can have. Well, we're just about the end. Just maybe a last uh, comment on uh, what what people should do and, and what they can find at your website. Well, I think uh, what they can find at my website is they can find all sorts of information, not just from me, but from other writers, including actual professional writers. Uh, it's important to stress that I'm not a financial professional. I, I'm just an average guy who uh, writes about money. But they can find great information from everybody at the site. Perfect. All right. Well, this has been very interesting. Uh, my guest this hour on the Money Answer Show has been J.D. Roth, uh, whose website and blog is getrichslowly.org, and a lot of common sense personal finance advice, and he's lived it, lived it so you kind of know it's, it's for real. Thanks very much for being on the show, J.D. Thanks, Jordan. And we'll be back again next week. This is Jordan Gumbel. Thank you for joining Jordan Goodman and the Money Answer Show. If you have a question for Jordan, please visit his website at www.moneyanswers.com. And be sure to tune in every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time right here on Voice America Business. See you next week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.